This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Non and Ever podcast, our first ever live event. Thanks so much for coming out. I know it's a bit after the game, but an entertaining match in the end for us to talk about. Um, firstly, I need to mention our charity partner, Clariton Brew. They do fantastic work with mental health and Burnley fans. They meet at the surf every Monday, I think. Their website is claritonbrew.org. Yes. So please do check that out. Very important course. Let's crack on with the show. You already know who we all are. So we'll kick off with talking about the West Brom game. Natalie, the first half, not up to much, but the second half really kicked on again. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I didn't mind the first half, to be honest. I the think... first half was terrible. <laughs> Jamie and I are going to disagree with this altogether. I didn't mind it. I thought it was particularly uneventful, and I don't think there was an awful lot of talking points. But I was hugely encouraged to see the team at least try and... Um, get forward, they were creating chances, they looked a lot more positive than they did against uh, the, the um, Man United game. They were trying to play the ball, they were trying to get some chances and they weren't particularly clinical chances but I was still hugely encouraged that they, they wanted to win the game even though they didn't you know, create that many clinical chances. Yes, it was difficult and from, from the first minute, West Brom were time-wasting. Yeah, is, uh, <laughs> yeah they absolutely I, I were. I think it's the first time I've seen time-wasting in the first minute which is it's always going to be difficult to come up yeah. against. Obviously they came out to, to really frustrate us and really close the game down, which, which meant it was not a particularly open or exciting... Um, it was what we expected, wasn't it, out yeah. of a West Brom game? I think one of the differences was, so last week, was that West Brom were quite content for us to have the ball. It was similar to the game at their place in that respect, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we've seen it before. that um, <clears throat> you know Generally, teams that let us have a lot of the ball tend to get a decent result against us because we don't seem too comfortable sort of driving the pace ourselves. Um I think I saw a tweet at half time that said, Whose testimonial is it today? And I think that was kind that's of harsh. I, I think, think that, that was scoop through the week. <laughs> I think that is kind of the feel that the first half had a little. Um, you know, we were allowed to have a lot of the ball, um, but we didn't necessarily make many clear cut chances. So, um, yeah, I think West Brom were hoping for more of the same as at the weekend. Shall we brush over team selection? The team was very similar to Crystal Palace, just the one change was Kevin Long coming in. Yeah. But did you maybe expect to see more of the attacking players? Or Brady and Gray, I, I thought they might start today. Yeah, I, I think I said last week that I, I thought it would be pretty much the same team, except I expected um, I expected Brady to play. I think Dice has been a bit more comfortable playing him at home uh, rather than away, so I thought he might have come in. Um, so then he doesn't like changing a winning team. It's no. hard to argue, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I don't think it was it was a big surprise. Obviously, it was, there was a bit of a surprise at the back in the forced changes with... It's, uh, it's funny that Tarkovsky's not been able to get a game all season, and now we've got uh, Kevin Long playing, which is... Yeah. It's, uh, it's Tarkovsky was our best attacker in the first <laughs> He was, yeah. <laughs> that fantastic that run. run down the wing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there was a little bit of fortune involved, though, as it did seem to bounce off, I think, you know, five or six people on his way through, but... That was skill. It was yeah. Yeah. yeah, he meant to do that. It was, it was intended. Um, speaking of Kevin Long, how do you think he did first start for two and a half years, I think it was? <laughs> it was good. I was really impressed, actually. I, I think... I remember before he got his injury, he was he was looking like a real promising um, signing and I was really impressed with him and obviously he got injured very, very quickly without being able to really establish himself in the side, which was a really, real shame. 
So I wasn't necessarily concerned when I saw the team sheet about his ability. I was more concerned about the fact that he's not played for such a long time. His first competitive game in well over two years um, is obviously going to be going to be a worry. Um, but he looked like he'd never been away. I was I was really pleased, and I actually thought that the Tarkovsky long partnership say that that's untested. I thought it was hugely encouraging. I thought it was yeah. he did well. I think the, the second West Brom goal was a bit sloppy, but the first one was a bit unlucky, wasn't it? I thought. Yeah, the the second one was definitely a bit sloppy. You would have liked to have seen it cleared or closed down before it happened. I know. So Tarkovsky went for a sort of Ben Mee-esque, uh, throw his head in front of the ball, um, but unfortunately, obviously, he wasn't successful. Yeah. I think Long got something on it, didn't he, but could only direct it straight to the strike. Yeah, it was one of those ones where you see the ball just in the area and you think thinking, put your boot through it, and uh, yeah. no one gets there. I don't know if any of us had a good view of the, the first Burnley goal. I know me, Adam and Kev <laughs> were in the cricket field stand right behind the goal, so it was far end for us. Did you get a good I wasn't. I wasn't looking on the sense that um, I was He's absolutely shouting, shouting for, the for the penalty and then he didn't give it and I was going mad and then I turned to look at the linesman who then flagged for the penalty then I turned around and saw the referee was then pointing that way obviously for the goal and I was we thinking he was doing for it yeah. expecting like, oh, it to be a penalty there was a few seconds when because we, we were right we were like the second row at the, at the cricket field stance not the best uh, view of this goal it was, took a, two or three seconds we were looking at each other is, is that oh, it took goal? me longer than that, that? Yeah. <laughs> these guys have like Naturally, they've scored. I was they were like, kicking what? off. What? What's going on? I don't understand. So I still haven't seen the goal yet, but it was Sam, so I'm sure it was brilliant. <laughs> and then Sam scored the second goal he as did. well. Uh, again, we've not seen replays because we've been setting up for this, but it seemed like Ben Foster lost the ball in the flight of Brady's free kick. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, well, Dad said earlier, Volks didn't realise that, that Foster was actually coming. Um, he wasn't intending to sort of flick it over the keeper, but... It looked like Foster sort of just lost track of where the ball was because he's actually quite a way behind Volks by the time it, you know, lands on Volks' head. And uh, in the end, it's turned out to be fairly straightforward. Yeah, finish, isn't it? yeah and the, the first one, I think Barnes is incredibly well. You know, a lot of players would have been rolling around on the floor waiting for the penalty to be given, like all of us were waiting for the penalty to be given, watching the referee. <laughs> uh, but you know, he gets up and he puts a decent ball in. We'll see. Sam's able to put it away. Yeah, the, the front two I thought did pretty well. I mean. I'm a big fan of Andre Gray. I think he should play pretty much every week, but it's four points out of two with Barnes and Volts up front. Do you think that's a partnership that we could be seeing for the rest of the season now? I think it, I think it probably will be. I think Sean Dyche, um, I'm, I'm not sure he's he's convinced about how Andre Gray fits into the system we're playing at the moment. I think he's he's tried to get him in a few ways and he's, he's not really had that. I think Sean Dyche has probably shown more confidence in, in Barnes and Volks than he has in, in Gray in the last few weeks. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see those two finish the season in the team. Um, but Gray's a, Gray's a good player to, to come on and stretch teams. If he's, you know, he's got that pace, so if you've got tiring defenders, I guess he's a, he's a good option to bring on. It was nice to see him get... That's what we saw last weekend, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, that pace it was nice to see him get a bit more than 10 minutes. Um, well, we saw it again today, as soon as Gray came on. The, the West Brom defence looked terrified. You know, he was suddenly creating chances for us and, and, and we equalised. And, and I think it's... <laughs> I don't know whether or not we would have gone on to win the game if you'd have maybe brought him on sooner, but just that, that whole positive substitutions towards the end of it made a real impact, I think. I think he was a really crucial introduction, actually. Yeah. Uh, it felt like um, when they scored the second that maybe we'd gone a bit flat and sort of inviting the pressure, something obviously we've seen quite a bit this season. Uh, Gray came on and it seemed like we, we gained a bit more life. Yeah, um, I'm always to bring up substitutions because I know it's a, <laughs> I know it's a, a drum that I bang quite a lot. But do you think the changes were too late? Do you think, it seemed like Brady and Goodmanson coming on really gave us that impetus. But could it have been a bit earlier? I think it felt like we were quite comfortable in the game, um, probably too comfortable. And that's probably why we ended up conceding. The when it's going goal. well, Dash doesn't like to make changes. Yeah, really. and I think he was quite quite happy with how things were going. The point was was decent enough for us. Um, I think he was happy to keep it as it was rather than change things. I mean, the, the goal, obviously the goal shot into the, making that, the, the double change. And um, I don't think it's a, a huge surprise that we, we scored soon after uh, making that, that uh, double change. So it would have been nicer to make that introduction a little bit earlier, I think. Um, but it's better than, better than not happening at all. And I think it's good as well to show that we, we've made those changes and it did have an impact. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's, we, we were saying earlier, this must be the best bench this football club's had in a long, long time. It Look is. At the it's likes we've got. It is, for sure. Yeah, you've got, you know, the likes of Goodmanson, mm. Brady, uh, Defoe, uh, Grave, all those players on the bench is just so Defoe, phenomenal. Defoe, un- <laughs> unused sub today as well. Um, good point in the end then, takes us up to the magical 40-point mark, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Um, 
I don't know how I feel about just having a point. I think after the game, it's in hindsight, it's very easy to say it was a good point in the end, and that's genuinely how I feel. But this was one that we had earmarked as being, um, before last weekend's performance anyway, as a must-win game. Um, it, it's quite, in that sense, it's good in that any point that you get towards safety is, is a good point. But I think I would have liked to have seen us try and, and get three points just to try and finish as high up the table as we possibly can. But to be honest, I don't think we did that much wrong. It was such a strange game in that Burnley never really looked under threat, yet we conceded two goals. And, and they never really looked like they were going to go and try and win the game. I think they... They looked at the beginning like they weren't going to settle for a draw. Then as soon as we went 1-0 up, they really changed the pace and the tempo and really came at us. And it was no surprise whatsoever to see us concede and then go behind. Um, and then obviously we managed to get the equaliser. So in that sense, I think, yes, the point is a good one. But I can't really think of what we could have done differently to try and get three. I think in terms of the game, um, it was disappointing. I think we, we probably could have won that match. And it's, you, you look at before the match, you think we could have won that match. And I think on the terms of how how the two teams played, we could have won that match. But in terms of the season, um, it's a good point. It's, it's we've, we've got such a big cushion now that that one point, I think even without that point, I think we could have got beat today and we'd still, we'd still be safe. But yeah. it's just, it just gives us that, that, little bit more, that little bit more security. Yeah, so, I mean, the mood at Turf Moor, it seems like everyone's pretty certain. I don't know how you all feel. It feels like it's pretty much done now. We are keeping a close eye on the Swansea match because if Swansea, they if Swansea don't win, we are... Yeah mathematically safe but they are winning they are the still moment, winning so yeah. we'll keep a close mm. eye on that one do you think it was a fair point then in the end are you reasonably happy do you think like sort of two mid-table teams both quite happy with the draw yeah I think the point was probably fair I mean particularly as soon as uh, you know they went 2-1 up they seemed happy to just play for time um, obviously we then got the equaliser and I don't think either team really looked like they were trying to push on too desperately um, so I'd say both teams looked pretty happy to just take a point out of it because effectively obviously both team seasons are really sort of over over now yeah, it certainly had an end of season feel didn't it in the, God. In the first half <laughs> I think you're still worried that we're going to go down aren't you it's one thing I might wake up in the middle of the night and go oh, <laughs> can we go down? no I won't I'm alright now I'm pretty happy like Natalie said, we are keen for it to be interactive, so we'll now throw it open to you guys for the next few minutes. Any specific comments, points about the West Brom game? Please don't be shy. Andy, you've always got something to say. I think I think we are safe, though, aren't we? There's about 19 yeah. goal difference, isn't there? The hull would have to score, make 19 goals up over these yeah. two games. And I'm pretty pull, sure they'll lost home to Sunderland, who are already down today, so yeah. that's going to so be a big ball I think, I think we're well safe, barring a points deduction. <laughs> oh god don't give me that to start worrying about this <laughs> the, uh, the, the goal when it was um, it was a clear cut penalty that I think yeah. and the ref waved play on and then the um, the linesman flagged for a penalty was he flagging for a penalty yeah and then, it, and then the referee kind of just set and then we scored and you kind of and you're thinking hang on he's going to pull this back for a penalty and I think the referee just thought I better not. <laughs> and, and I think that might have been the so end if of you watch, if you watch that. that on a replay, I think the referee cocked up there a bit. Well, uh, all's, but, yeah. all's well that ends well. Yeah. Yeah. When everyone yeah. were mourning at two one down that we were, we were, um, everyone, well, a lot of people around me were mourning. I said we'll be all right in a minute, and then scored. So, as well, usual, predicted. We all, uh, yeah, we all. <laughs> know what Champions League football next year. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of next season. That's on record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's not from any of us. Yeah. None of us meant that prediction. <laughs> anyone else? Yeah, um, we talked about going back to the game um, when uh, when Gray came on as sub. Uh, it was obviously he was putting a different kind of pressure on the West Brom defence, but um, I felt that um, when. Uh, Goodmanson and Brady came on. Goodmanson, in particular, seemed to have an even bigger effect on the game. Yeah, I just he's very direct. What, what, he do you, what does the panel away, feel about whether he should be coming off the bench or should he be starting? And who do you take off? Well, that's a, that's a real problem. In that, if, you, if you're going to if you're going to start Goodmanson, you've got to take Boyd off. And whilst Boyd's very much divides opinion. I think he's been really good recently, and he's certainly been, and he's like, no. <laughs> Let's not get into it. Yeah. Right, George Boyd. But he's massively upped his game recently, and Boyd had a really effective game today, and, and he's clearly a, a Deitch favourite. So whilst I, as much as I like Boyd, and I think he's done all right this season, I, I would prefer Goodmanson. I, I agree with you. I think he needs to come in there. And I would always 100% prefer Brady to, to our field. So. We'll take one more on the West Brom game. Mike, was it? You want to say something? Yeah, I think I think it's more of a comment in general, um, in that 
I don't think that was our strongest team, but we're taking on West Brom, who are an established Premier League side, and we look better. And I think that's massively encouraging, actually. It wasn't like we were going toe-to-toe or dragging dragging them down to our level or struggling or whatever. That team out there looked like a proper established Premier League side, and I think that's massively encouraging because we're going to lose a few players, I think. Um, a couple of players like Keane or whatever, yeah, we're going to lose those. But I think, um, you know, if we make changes to, say, Boyd and Arfield, who they were in a relegated side two years ago, and I think there are improvements there. I'm, I'm not just positive after this game, I'm positive for next year. Yeah, I think there's a yeah. there's a lot to look forward to. We are going to move on from the West Brom game. Now, um, I don't know how many of you have been listening to the podcast from the very early days, but we used to do a quiz when <laughs> the podcast used to be broadcast live via the World Wide Web. And we decided, since it's a live extravaganza, we're going to do a quiz again. We've got five questions, and in the event of a tie, we've got a tiebreaker. If, if somebody wins outright and we don't need the tiebreaker, we're going to have a secondary tiebreak champion quiz. We do have trophies for winners. So. Could be here all night with it. <laughs> the pressure. Get off your phones and no cheating, all of you. I can see people got the phones. Question number one. Concentrate, panel. What year did Burnley win their only FA Cup trophy? I know. There's a, there is a non and ever trophy up for grabs here, you know. I can see. Question number two. Who, and this is actually a multiple choice question, just to give you a, a, a... Who are the only English team to have occupied their ground longer than Burnley? Notts County, Scunthorpe, Tranmere or Preston? Question number three. Which team... Knocked Burnley out of the quarterfinals of the 1960-1961 European Cup. I'm really wary of Kev copying me. <laughs> if you'd seen my answer, you'd know I haven't copied you. <laughs> Question number four. What colours were used in the first eight years before Burnley adopted claret and blue as their club colours? Now, final question. There is one point for each correct answer. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Burnley are one of four clubs to win all top four tiers of English football. Name the other three. And there is one point for each correct answer. Right, so we'll do the answers later on and the tie break. But the next part of the podcast, I'm sure everyone will be very excited for, especially... If you're a social media user, because it's over to Natalie for Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week, 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 Tweet of the Week. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> this week's Tweet of the Week was very hastily done because we were setting it up this week. So apologies if I missed anybody's like really spectacular tweets, but I will keep an eye on them this week. Um, but this one goes to Matthew Main, who simply tweets, Premier League football for another year. Get in Burnley. And I think that very nicely sums up just how we're all feeling after getting to that magic 40-point mark and albeit by a ridiculous um, goal swing, we should be seeing Premier League football again next season. So well done, Matthew. That won this week's Tweet of the Week. And certainly hands up from me because I think I was the only one on the panel to predict Burnley to get relegated. Yes. So we can't force what I him know. into that, though, to be fair. <laughs> we did force him into that because the rest of us are taking all the points and all the places. Yeah. And more on predictions later in the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um Moving on, though, the next bit of the podcast, we're going to talk about the season overall. Obviously, there's only a couple of games to go, and it does look like Burnley are going to stay up. Um, James, we'll start with you. Overall conclusions for Burnley doing what they've failed to do in the last couple of times and staying in the Premier League. Yeah, obviously, I think this was everyone's uh, aim at the beginning of the season, to stay up, Premier League survival. Um, you know, it's been the aim every time, but uh, the last few times we've... You know, either, you know, we had bright spells and then fallen short, uh, but this time we've managed to keep it going uh, really well. Uh, same story away from home as, as always, but, uh, you know, the way we've played at home, we managed to keep the momentum going with home games, which is where we failed previously. Uh, you know, we've had a bit of luck on the injury side of things, but, um, I mean, it's been, you know, a very good season. I, th- I think we've learnt a lot from... Yeah, I think this is the first season we've properly looked like a Premier League team. Mm. Um We've looked like we really, really belong here. Um, we like almost we we can become a proper established Premier League team. Obviously, next season is going to be huge because like 
we've talked about maybe uh, lose a few players and you you wonder whether you know you have that that second second season syndrome and what how what we what we do in the summer is going to be huge but this season has been it's 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 easy now to look back at it and think you know it'd be nice if this could be better if we nice if this could be better when, but if you step back and look Mrs Burnley um we're set to be probably comfortably remain a Premier League team that's it's quite phenomenal to think so it's you, we can look at players like you know George Boyd who maybe some of us um, maybe like me don't like a lot, lot. And, <laughs> and you know we can look at the thing, you know we can think you know might make improvements here might make improvements here we could do this better we could do that better but when you step back and think this is it's a phenomenal achievement you look yeah. at some of the games we've played this season some of the results we've had some of the, the football we've played and, and our home form as well our home form we've almost been not just an established Premier League team we've been a almost like a, a, a top, top, top Premier League team yeah. at home, which is uh, obviously it's great for us who, who watch all the games at, at home. It's, it's fantastic to watch. So um, I know we want to talk about highs and lows of the season, but I think it is mostly highs. It's been a phenomenal yeah, really um, phenomenal tw- 12 months, really. It's, I think it's surpassed all of our expectations, hasn't it? We, we all came into this season expecting to be um, relegation fodder again and expecting us to have a really long, hard graft this season. And we really haven't. We've looked comfortable the entire season. We've never... We've never really struggled. Sure, we've, we've had a difficult run after Christmas where we had that ridiculous run of away games and some really tough fixtures at turf. But even those, we, we got through it relatively comfortably now you look back on it. Um, I think we've talked about this in previous podcasts. The, the summer's going to be key for me. Um, we, we are going to lose some key players to big money moves. We have got some players, um, players like Defoe, who we believe are potentially going to be moving on, on as well, um, just because they're not particularly settled. And we could end up with, if we don't spend wisely, we could end up with quite a depleted squad next season. But for me, I think if we are sensible with our signings and we replace well and we build another squad, um, I don't necessarily think anymore that there is um, a danger of bigger teams going down. Like People have been saying recently that it... You know, the, the newly promoter sides have been staying up. If you look at the last few seasons, there's only been maybe one or, or possibly two that have gone down from the newly promoted sides. But a lot of that has been because we've seen a lot of the likes of Newcastle, Villa, Sunderland, teams that have, haven't invested wisely and haven't inf- um, developed their infrastructure who have been struggling for year after year. And it's eventually caught up with them and they, ha- they have gone. Most of those sides have now been relegated. So I think that the sides that are in the Premier League at the moment are the ones who are building well and who are doing well and are deserve to be there. So I think we, we may very well see next season the return of newly promoted sides struggling again to find the feet and having to come up one or two times before they stay up. So the, the sides that are coming up from, from the Championship, with the, probably the exception of Newcastle, uh, we probably will find that those two will occupy two of the three relegation spots. So there's no reason why we can't go on and try and go for a third season comfortably. More bold predictions from Natalie. <laughs> <So> no, <new laughs> me. <laughs> what, what lessons do you think we've learned from, from previous seasons? Obviously, Dash seems a bit more progressive to me, and the team seems a bit more streetwise as well. Yeah, I think we've, we've learned more about the way that you know, the big teams play. Um, you know, Previously, we've maybe been too content to give teams a lot of time and space on the ball and sort of not you know, harry them and try and dispossess them and we've let teams play their game too much and uh, obviously at the top level it, even the teams are in the bottom half if you let them play they, they can do damage um, but I think defensively has been you know the big difference and a lot of it comes down to having a settled defence for a whole championship campaign coming into the Premier League with the same people playing together um, and you know apart from those few lapses where we've maybe given up goals in sort of added time and things like that I think we've been very solid defensively and uh, that's normally quite a big key to to stay in the Premier League is obviously don't ship a lot of goals, and you see it now when you're talking about you know the, the teams who are looking to maybe try and stay up. The goal difference swings they require obviously are huge, and you know defending obviously keeps your goal difference down. Yeah, I think um, having that settled unit has been really important, hasn't it? I mean, it's the same back five that we've seen for for most of the season. Um, Dave Roberts, who's who's sat next to Phil Bird, he's put together a stat pack, but I think there's some dusted around, so make sure you get a good look at it, but. Before today, Keenan played every minute. Ben Mees yeah. hardly missed a minute, and Tom Heaton only missed a couple of games. Yeah, Lawton and, and Ward the same. So having that stable unit at the back, it's been one of the big factors, hasn't it, in the season? It has, yeah, it certainly has. And that the, the, that backbone of a team is something that Sean Dyche has always been huge on since the, the moment he stepped through the door. Is having that consistency, whether it's consistency in team selection and consistency in um, 
approach to games. He doesn't. He, he's not often one to change his tactics to the opposition. He's got the way he plays, and will change things about here and there. But he's, that consistency is huge to him. Um, on the flip side, though, I say that one of the biggest things for me this season is the opposite of that. Is that we've not had to rely on a particular core. We've had, you know, like we were saying earlier, that bench day. We've got the, like, we've been able to bring on Andre Gray, Bobby Brady, and Gunmanson. In previous Premier League campaigns, we've never had that that option before. I mean, yeah. it's it's to it's for a to having those options of add that creativity to be able to bring in so that when things aren't working, we can change things. Because previously, we've when we've made subs in previous seasons, the subs have been pretty much like for like. Yeah. Um, where it's not, we've been able to make very different changes to the team this year, which is think is it's like today those changes change the game. But yeah, we've got, got, got a point. Years, um, which is fantastic. And also, I think it's related to that, but is that we've been able to to invest a little bit more in the squad and maybe because it's our, our third attempt at the Premier League, we've maybe had a bit more confidence to, to make that investment. Um, when we look at the last Premier League, we, like, we signed um, Djokovic and Sordell. Um, um, obviously, Sordell's doing a, a big job for Burnley now at, um, at Burton, as uh, <laughs> James will be keen to point out. just stolen Marvin's mention. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, you, you look at the likes of Djokovic and Sordell, and this, this season we've got the likes of Defoe. Okay, that design hasn't particularly worked out particularly well, but it, it was a massive show of intent. The likes of Brady and Goodmanson. Um, I think that confidence to to Im- improve the team um, significantly has also been a, a really big part of this season. And that's come from the top as well, hasn't it? Yeah. It's come from the confidence that the board have had in giving the money to be able to sign, and it's, it's really uncomfortable figures in, in, for, for Burnley fans. I think... I summed it up for me for Burnley fans in general in that um, we were really worried about spending and we've been quite critical about transfer windows in previous seasons and giving the team a chance to stay up and then suddenly we were splashing all this cash and so many Burnley fans were saying oh my god can we afford these players like, are we, we going to go bankrupt it's, it's, the Burnley, it's the Burnley fan way obviously but mm. yeah it's been, it's been a commitment from the top yeah. hasn't it well, I, think, I think one big thing has been actually if you look at previous Premier League campaigns We've been really undone by sort of injuries in the midfield. Uh, whereas this time we've had the depth, obviously, to cope with Marnie being injured, um, and then obviously Barton recently getting suspended. And you know we were worried last week. Oh, you know, no Barton, who's going to step in? And I think actually Westwood was really, really good today. Know, showing what really a, a canny sign he was, and maybe mm. he just needed a change of scenery to sort of you know really kick on. Yeah. One one of the things I'm looking forward to about next season, I think there's more to come from some of the players we've signed. I think Hendrick's got more levels. Brady, we've seen bits from so far, and also the away form is obviously something that can really develop. So, it's it's not just surviving the season. I think there's a, a real opportunity for us to make progress in those yeah, areas. definitely. I think you know Hendrick, his first few games here, I think people were starting to question was he worth the cash we paid. You know, he, he wasn't really showing a lot. He looked a little bit lost, and they scored that thunderbolt goal against Bournemouth at home, and he's not really looked back since. He's been you know really really good and. Um, I think we've seen similar glimpses with Brady. You know, obviously, first few games his crossing was really not what you expected for a thirteen million pound winger. But um, you know, you see the the free kick today that's obviously set up the Volks goal, and it's it's starting to fall into place. And I think once um, Dash works out a system that really works well for you know playing a winger like Brady rather than playing a worker like Arfield or Boyd, um, then we can really start to see that the advantages are signing. That's going to be the key, isn't it? Um, we've all had our say now, so again, we're going to throw it open. Highlight Paul's going to come around with the mic. Anyone want to share a particular highlight from this season up first? Um, for me, um, you know, the season's been built on the strength at the back, and I think I was saying that uh, Stephen Ward has been my player of the season. We're not mentioning yes. him this evening. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, he's Mr. Consistent. He gets clattered every game, just gets up and gets on with it. He provides one of our main attacking threats in some games. Um, but as I think Phil Bird corrected me and said, actually anybody from the back five could be player of the season this season. Yeah, just well, we're going to come on to that next, um, actually. And what I want to say is that as far as our recruitment policy this coming summer, that you can never have too many Irishmen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the point... I'm sure Dad's telling them What about next season? What, what lessons can we learn from this season moving into the next campaign? Has anyone got anything to add on that? Down the front again? Yeah, um, Sean has uh, um, used the, his favourite 442. Uh, for the last three seasons and it served him very well but it's quite obvious that it, 
it leaves him without a plan B when things aren't going too well. Do you think he's learned his lesson and maybe he'll make some signings that will enable him to vary his formations in the coming season? We played 4-5-1 a lot earlier in the season. When Gray was suspended, we moved to the 4-5-1. I had quite a lot of joy with it. Um, yeah, we seem yeah. very reluctant to go back to it though, since. Yeah. Obviously, you look at Sam Volk scoring today, and obviously he's been out the goals for a little while, but he got quite a lot early on playing up front by himself. So I think when we were struggling to really find a partnership out of Barnes, Gray, or Barnes, Volks, Gray, well, Gray, Volks, I think did work, but didn't seem to want to go back to it. <laughs> but um, I'm surprised we didn't try Volks up front on his own again. Especially as that gives you the option maybe to play before, uh, you know, if the concern is his fitness, you can you can carry him on in a five-man midfield. So, I think a lot of the problem was is that when when we were playing four-five-one comfortably, we had that point just after Christmas where um, Hendrick got sent off at Watford, Marnie got injured, Gunbunston got injured, and then Joy's charge from the FA came up, and we were suddenly suddenly looking at a situation where we had potentially no midfield, and I think at that point that really restricted Dyche to be able to various formation and various team because he just didn't have the personnel available to do it and during that time he felt quite comfortable back into that 4 4 and it just seems to have worked for him so far and he's got himself comfortable with yeah I, th- I think flexibility yeah. is something to work on you see a lot of teams mm-hmm. Spurs in particular seem to the switch from a back four to a back three almost from minute to minute in the game and I think being flexible is going to be really important mm-hmm. uh, before we move on to talking about player of the season one last chance anything else Comments on this season as a whole? What have you most enjoyed about seeing from Burnley in the Premier League? Sorry, you again? <laughs> <laughs> this is my moment in the spotlight. Um, I, I think today showed the strength that we have as a, as a club and as a footballing side. That um, I believe that the training is as intense as match day. And I think that allows people like Kevin Long, another good Irishman, uh, <laughs> allows people like Kevin Long to come into the side and it's seamless almost. Tarkovsky, you know, coming yeah. into the side, it's Absolutely. seamless. And I think, you know, that's something that clearly uh, Sean Dyche will be, will be promoting for next season as well. The fact that, you know, be ready to do a job. Westwood as well. Westwood, well, uh, he, he, he played a few games when he first came in, but then before he came in last week, it would have been quite a while until he, uh, before he'd, he'd, he'd played. So, and he came in and he was one of our, he's been one of our best players in the last few games, I think. So, it's uh, another example of that. Um, you know me over the years I never really go into speculation so I'm quite happy that Sean's he just you leave him to do his job he gets paid to do it I think he's done a great job we well, love speculating I know <laughs> I, I don't the, the player of the season for me I know you're going to come on to that but Sean Dyer should be recognised for that and I think he should be given the freedom of the borough <laughs> I'm sure that would be a very popular idea we'll have to put that to the council um, but we will move on now to Player of the year. Um, so when we're training to decide how to do this, you're all going to get a chance to have your say and we're going to have a vote at the end which will decide the player of the year. But we picked out a shortlist of four. We're each going to argue the case of one player and I can't remember who was arguing for which player. I so, think that was Matt Walton, wasn't it? No, you were not. <laughs> <laughs> I, Kev, can we start with you? Can you remember who your person was? I, 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 I'm going for for Michael Keane. I think he's as as Dave stats here show he's he's played. Um, I think he's played the, the most minutes of of anybody every minute until today. Yeah, anybody in the league, which is uh, a phenomenal effort. Um, and he's just been he's been absolutely outstanding throughout, throughout the whole campaign. He's I talked earlier about the fact that Burnley now look like a proper Premier League team, and Michael Keane is a, a perfect example of that. Um, he's a, a class above defensively. He's outstanding. It's very difficult to get past him. Uh, he reads the game very well. You can tell he's come through at United as well because he's got. He's very good with a ball at his feet. He's, he's very comfortable and confident um, that way. Um, and I think it's also really he's a really good reflection of how far of Burnley's growth as well. Because we know the, the last Premier League campaign he started off on loan. Um, was signing permanently in January, I think, and he. He played bits here and there, but a lot of the season he was kept out by by Michael Duff and, and other players, and um, we, we saw shine glimpse of his, his talent there, but he, he wasn't quite quite ready for to be a a, a top class Premier League player. And now, obviously, he's fantastic in the Championship last, last season. He's come back in uh, and played every every minute uh, this year, this season until today, and it's a really that growth in it's difficult. It's, you, you look at that from two years ago to how he is now. It's it's phenomenal how much he's grown as a player in that short short amount of time, um, and I think that 
is it's a really good reflection, uh, not just of him. Um, it's a good reflection of the the way Burnley as a club has grown, and also the the environment we've got at the club, which allows that that players like that to come in and, and really improve their game. And he's. I, 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 He's been one. He's been uh, our best player for me this season. I think it was mentioned last week, actually, when we were on TV, that um, one of the the commentators said maybe it's a you know an example of how we should give players more time to develop as youngsters at you know big sides. Yeah. That you know he left Man United and no one was probably that really bothered about him going, but now he's turned into a top top defender again, and teams like Man United want him back yeah. along the same lines they did with Paul Pogba. I don't think he's ever going to develop though while he's at United. I think a counter argument to that is that he's he not going to get played. into that first yeah. team. He has to. He almost has to leave United and, and go and play regular first team football to develop that skill at yeah. a high level. Full England international now, of course, Michael Keane. How brilliant was it to see a Burnley player playing for England, mm-hmm. by the way? And another England international up next. Faultless segue, it's like we know what we're doing. Um, James is going to talk about Tom Heaton. Yeah, so apparently my player of the year is Tom Heaton. I, I didn't actually pick him myself, but it, obviously it's hard, hard to argue with you know his influence on the team this season. Um, and I think the whole time he's been here, really, you know, as a player, again, came from a top team originally, um, sort of bounced around a little bit, and then he seems to have found a home at, at the turf. Um, obviously more saves in the league, at least before today, probably still is. It uh, just shows how much work he's, he's made to do. Um, I know that maybe goes against saying how great our defence is, but obviously I think you know if you face a lot of chances, make a lot of saves, then uh, you're doing a great job. And um, yeah, so many clean sheets as well for for a team in our position. I think to you know have the number of clean sheets he's had this season, and that's considering he's missed a few games as well because of injuries. Um, you know, I think he's just been absolutely fantastic. And captain, I think he leads the team by example. You know, great communicator, and uh, obviously someone who feels pretty. I think there's there's almost the danger that we we underestimate Heaton just because yeah. we get so used to his excellence. He doesn't really surprise us anymore. But yeah, it's the, just... the performance that Manny had for me was outstanding. One of the best individual performances in the league, full stop. It's probably one of the best goalkeeping performances in the Premier League. You know, in, in the past decade. Yeah. Um, you know, it really was one of those uh, those games where I don't think we defended particularly well against Man United, but. Obviously, Tom Heaton made a, a lot of great saves, and he was—he was. I think he's a big player when you need him. I mean, that's the, the key thing, you know. Small number of mistakes for for a goalkeeper, but um, when he's called upon to make a timely save, he always seems to to manage to do it. And I'm trying to think of a mistake he's made this season, but it is really really difficult. And I know last time we're in the Premier League, I think there was only the Swansea game where he sort of threw one in, and you know, bar that. I think it's very, very rare you see a mistake from him. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw today the West Brom play, uh, fans rate Ben Foster very highly and he made a mistake that cost them a goal. Yeah. I don't think there's um, any comparison really between those two now. Uh, next up, Natalie's going to talk about Matt Lawton. Yes, a um, little bit of a, a confession here. James and I had a bit of an argument over who was going to get Matt Lawton. Natalie and James <laughs> having an argument. That <laughs> <laughs> but we did. So this is kind of like our joint nomination, but I, I won and made James go with uh, with Heaton. Um, actually, this is a really good opportunity. While we've got in the room, is it Papa Bird? Is it Matt Lawton or is it Matt Lawton? It is Lawton. Lawton. That is it. Officially, it's <laughs> Matt Lawton. I do keep telling you that. So I know, it should I, be my player of the year. Well, then I keep hearing people say Matt Lawton and I get really confused. Oh, see? It doesn't help me. Matt Lawton. <laughs> or Louts. Or Louts, as we're going to call it. I'm going to stick with Lawton. Um, I think at the beginning, certainly for the first four or five podcasts of this season, I was quite critical of him and I was really worried about his ability to perform at this level. Um, I was concerned, and I think a lot of that was down to comparing him to um, the left, sorry, the right back that we'd lost um, as well. Obviously, comparing him to Tripsy, that's pretty harsh shoes that he has to fill. Um, but he has, for me, been the most improved player this season. I think he's grown in confidence, he's grown in competency. Um, and even over the last few games, we've seen him putting some absolutely fantastic balls in the box as well, which was probably the one thing that was lacking from his game um, earlier in the season and one thing that we were missing from trips quite badly. Um, I think he's obviously a very popular member of, of, of the uh, the team and I just think he's, I just think his improvement alone and his, his confidence this season gets my vote. Yeah, I think if, if there was a, an award for most improved oh, player, yeah, um, I think Lawson yeah. would certainly win it. Um, I'm last, and we thought we couldn't just have defenders, so even though he's not really my player of the year, I'm going to talk about Andre Gray. Um, I think over Christmas, his goals were so important, those two back-to-back games. He had the goal against Middlesbrough that was the winner, the hat-trick against Sunderland. 
even now I think if you look at the league table, if we hadn't won those two games, we'd still be in a little bit of trouble. Um, I think Volks has maybe caught him up today, has he? On goals, Volks and Gray are pretty similar, I think, in the, the goals charts. But um, considering Gray's not been in the team all season, I think um, we've got to talk about his character as well, the fact that he was suspended. Obviously something that happened a long time in his past, the fact that he's been able to come back, score goals in the Premier League. And I think without Andre Gray's goals... Um, we might be in a, a bit of trouble. I don't think, I know James agrees with me on this, I don't think we've played to great strengths a lot. I think we could have scored more goals as a team and I think Gray could have scored more goals if we'd maybe been set up to, to serve him better at times. But I also think it's fantastic that we've got a player who's got a celebrity girlfriend. I think that's <laughs> pushing Burnley up into the A-League. So it, gets a lot, it gets a lot of stick. I don't, I really don't understand it's it. Jealousy, understand it. it. <laughs> I will never understand the hatred that a lot of people There was a tweet, wasn't there, on but... Thursday. I don't know if it was in jest, but someone tweeted no and everyone said, um, Andre's working hard preparing for the game on Saturday. It was on his girlfriend's Snapchat on Thursday night. Like, he's not going to be training on a Thursday night. That's ridiculous. Well, yeah, I think a, a big... When we talk about not playing to his strength, you know, a big part of it is he's a tireless worker for the team. And uh, you know, I think sometimes he gets stick off fans for maybe not not working hard. But I think he, you know, he puts a shift in every game. He does a lot of running, and it, he never really gets a lot, you know, as thanks for his efforts. You know, the service isn't necessarily to his strengths. Uh, you know, he does a lot of running down the channels, and Andre Gray is not not really someone who should be in the channels. He should be, you know, chasing onto balls over past the defenders and. Um, yeah, if we'd played to his strengths more, maybe we would have been talking about him as a clear player of the year with sort of 15 goals. But I think for me, he's one of the players that we, we do genuinely have to try and keep hold of in the summer. There's talk already about other sides wanting him and, and in the right team and with the right um, service, he can easily score an absolute bag full in the Premier League. He's a Premier League striker. Um, so for me, I think he's one of the key players that we have to try and keep hold of. I think, I think the big difference between him and who we had last time in the Premier League, Danny Ings, is that... Um, mm. Gray's not really get his, doesn't really get his confidence not by missing no. a chance. Yeah. You'd see Ings would maybe you know sort of slowly come back to the halfway line after missing, whereas Gray seems to just shake it off and he's he's ready for the next opportunity. Yeah. I think a very quick honourable uh, honourable mention to Ben Mee as well. I think he's been overshadowed a little bit by how how good Michael Keane yeah. has been, but Ben Mee has been absolutely fantastic as well, and he's another player who's really really stepped up this season and really been yeah, uh, yeah. looked like a Premier League player. I'm, I'm, again, I'm looking at Dave's stats here. We've got most blocks, uh, this is in the Premier League, not Burnley, this is in the Premier League. So most blocks, one, Ben Mee, um, two, Michael Keane. Most clearances, two, Ben Mee, four, Michael Keane. Most headed clearances, two, Michael Keane, uh, two, Ben Mee. So yeah, I think both, you look at those, you know, Michael Keane's been fantastic, but you really can't, can't look past Ben Mee as well, who's been absolutely fantastic uh, alongside him. Well, I think we did initially have like the, the whole back, like the, the, all of those players, but we just couldn't have all defenders. We had to, to put somebody else in there as yeah, well. But so it feels we're going to do Volt shortly. We'll throw Ben Mee in there as well. Does anyone want to make a case briefly for anyone apart from those fives we've got? Matt Lawton, Andre Gray, Michael Keane, Tom Heaton and Ben Mee. Anyone else to throw in there to the vote or shall we do the poll? The, uh, I know Jamie mentioned it earlier, but uh, Stephen Ward for me. Uh, <clears throat> ever since last season, it was weren't it when the uh, the change was made and me was brought inside. Uh, Stephen Ward for me, every single game just gets better and better. Uh, even as an attacking threat now uh, against Crystal Palace, the way he was dancing down that wing was just beyond superb. So it's actually all of our defenders, yeah, <laughs> basically, so. up for player of the year. But aren't, aren't we spoiled for choice? There's so many, so many uh, really good candidates for this. It's, it's and Jamie, Jamie's filled with that because Jamie was champion Stephen Ward even before he was in the team. When, when, Jamie, yeah, when Stephen Ward first signed and he wasn't getting the game, Jamie every week was, why is Stephen Ward not playing? <laughs> and now he's playing and he's, he's so well. So. Right. <laughs> I'm right about something. Sometimes. Finally, after seven years of knowing ever, Jamie has finally got something <laughs> one right. Thing, one thing. Um, anyone else then before we put it to the vote? Right, so let's do the vote then. Traditional show fans. Traditional show fans. So you've heard the cases. Adam, I'm going to make you the adjudicator, so you're going to have to count up. Oh, Andy, have you got something to say? I was just going to say, add just a little bit for Tom Heaton, that I think the reason why he's had such a good season is because I shout of him every... (laughs) (laughs) And he he always waves. (laughs) And then we never get beat, so, yeah. And the games that I missed, we got beat on, so... Okay, I'd like to change my nomination to you, to Andy, to uh, play of the season, for uh, motivating Tom Heaton. Let's just hope you never injure your waving hand. (laughs) (laughs) 
Right, let's do the vote then. Let's do the vote. So the nominations are Lawson, Gray, Keane. Oh, what? <laughs> Lawson, Lawson, Keane, Gray, Eaton. Just because you know I'm Lawson's biggest uh, supporter. Well, exactly. No. So let's start with votes for Matt Lawson. <gasps> you can only vote once, obviously, by the way. So three votes Two. for Matt Lawson. Michael Keane. I think we could have a winner here. Adam's doing a quick count. There is one hand behind the pillar as well, yes. Adam. Uh, don't be shy. <laughs> Andre Gray didn't make a very <laughs> nobody. Good job well with <laughs> And Tom Heaton. So Ad- <laughs> Adam will confirm, but I think that means Michael Keane is the non-ever player of the season. So you can't really argue. It's hard uh, to argue with that, isn't it? Another victory for Michael Keane. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come on to that, but I think uh, it's quiz results next, is it? Oh, yes, quiz, quiz, quiz. So uh, quiz master Natalie. So question number one: What year did Burnley win their only FA Cup trophy? It was anyone want to shout out? Yes, 1913-1914 season. Question number two. Who were the only English team to have occupied their ground longer than Burnley out of Notts County, Scunthorpe, Tranmere or Preston? Preston. Preston. One point for each of those correct answers. Please don't say I've got any of these wrong, you two, by the way. Just, just don't tell me if I have. Question number three. Which team knocked Burnley out of the quarterfinals of the 1960-1961 European Cup? Yes. I didn't know that one, so I put Forest Green Rovers. Which is really? <laughs> Question number four. What colours were used in the first eight years before Burnley adopted claret and blue as their club colours? Blue and white. Thank the Lord we changed from that. <laughs> True. And final question, question number five. And again, you get one point for every correct answer. Burnley are one of four clubs to win all four tiers of English football name the other three yes 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 used obviously Sheffield United have only just done that with their um, championship this season so did anybody get all seven right how did you two not get all seven right seriously Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Phil gave you all a chance. Anyone claiming six? Yeah, we get six. Oh, we've got a claim for six here. Three. Adam, go and check. At least verified six. This is very exciting. Three sixes. We're going to get the tiebreaker. Oh, here we go. Tiebreaker. The winner who gets the closest to this figure will be crowned non and ever quiz championship for this season. So, tiebreaker question. Hold that there. Prince Charles is Burnley's most famous fan. In days, how old is he? <laughs> it's a crucial tiebreaker. Nobody said it was going to be easy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm still working out. Ashley, do you want to give me your answers? I don't know. You're going to have to guess. Guess an answer. Yeah, I went 2,800. 2,800? I think I'm way out. 23,000. 23,000? Yes. 3,200. 3,200? We have somebody who's very close. The answer is 25,011 days old. There you go. Thank you very much. By the way, the Swansea game is finished and they did win. So, unfortunately, we can't have a, a survival party. But someone who is going to be having a party today, I think. Oh my God! Is Kevin? I love props. The predictions league. Kevin has been running all season, and weirdly, <laughs> Kevin, I think, might have won. I've got my balloons. 
Yes. This is absolutely impossible, I hate what, what are you doing? So what are you doing? I'm celebrating. This is a momentous occasion. <laughs> he did actually tell us he wanted a god of honour when he was coming in. We're like, no. <laughs> Kevin has two claret balloons that he's just paraded around the room with. I think we forgot we were actually recording a podcast name for a moment. Impossible, but I deserve to be impossible because I am fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've been predicting, we've been predicting um, every podcast we predict results uh, and then partway through the season. It was... Uh, Natalie's idea to um, well Adam's idea. Adam's idea to um... <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> to put our predictions to the test and see who was actually the best at predicting predicting these results um, and what happened it turns out it's me oh. um, not just that but Natalie um, not not so good um... oh well, hang on a minute. I sacrificed my performance in the prediction league <laughs> to for reverse psychology, having to predict that we would lose. So I sacrificed glory so that the team could be surviving today. So well, I, I should also. I sacrificed glory by predicting we're going to win every week. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm just not very good at predictions. And I am. So, um, <laughs> in fact, it was secured. My victory was secured before before this weekend because um, it was so close at the top. It was so far, I was so far ahead, but Jamie needed to get a win and for me not to get a win um, and we both predicted a 2-0 win so um, right for Skyvin and I'm just yes. in my prediction that? so James predicted a 3-0 3 uh, win um, that was very uncharacteristic <laughs> very optimistic <laughs> me and Jamie uh, like I said both predicted 2-0 um, Natalie's reverse psychology worked um, <laughs> no it, it kind of worked we didn't yeah. lose predicted a 2-1 defeat um so that means I am officially now officially crowned. It's not. It's been. It's been pretty much there for months now, um, but it's now officially this crowned. Thank you. <laughs> I should bring you down and peg on something, Kevin. Look at the state. Officially crowned champion. Uh, I've, got, I've got 22 points. Jamie's in second with 14 points. James in. Third with 10 points and Natalie well behind um, in last place with six points. Now, there are six points to play for. There's a four-point gap between Natalie and, and James. So it could all be over uh, this time yeah, next week. have to predict something that's not a win. Might <laughs> have to. Unfortunately, um, we can't do the, the forfeit live because it's not confirmed. There's no forfeits. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember anybody saying anything about so, Someone had the bright idea of whoever came last would have to do a forfeit. I honestly didn't ever believe that I would be last. I was <laughs> way too cocky about this predictions league. I was like, yeah, there's something have to think it was going to be bird. Thinking, yeah, let's do a do a forfeit and it backfired spectacularly on me. So, yeah. so make sure you tune in next week when Natalie will probably be doing her forfeit. Hopefully it won't involve singing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely so, will involve singing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we should, even though it's virtually pointless now, do predictions for next week's game at Bournemouth. We'll not preview the game at Bournemouth because who cares, we're already safe. <laughs> uh, but James, you can kick us off. I'm sure you're going to predict a win because yep. you always do. They're going to reward me for cycling all the way there. Oh, of course, yeah. plug. plug. Um, and they're going to win. 2-1. 2-1. I'm going to go for a draw. Two all draw. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Champion. Well, you're going to get one point because the, the score is going to be 1-0. So that's, uh, that's the result next week. Natalie, do you have a bad feeling about this game? I don't know. I don't know whether I'm going to stick with it or whether... I think, I think if, if Swansea would have lost and we were properly safe, I think that I would have... I would have probably just then tried to get glory in the predictions league. But given that there's still a chance that they may pull back these 19 goals, you never know. <laughs> better to be safe than sorry then. I've got a really, really bad feeling about this. <laughs> I think that Bournemouth are going to be too strong for us. I think that we are going to be way too confident because we think we're safe and I think Burnley are going to lose 2-1. And when we win, then you're welcome. On the beach already, is what she's saying. On the beach already. But you know, yeah. if they win, and you, your reverse psychology works, then I get a point, and you will get a yeah. pin. But the team will be safe, and that's the most important <laughs> and, thing. And I'm taking one for the team, And you'll right? be singing Celine Dion on the podcast. <laughs> is that what he said? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. <laughs> so moving on from the predictions, we've still got some time before we have to all go home. So we're going to end with a Q&A. We're hoping to have a special guest today, but unfortunately... 
didn't quite come through, so you're just stuck with the four of us, <laughs> including predictions champion Kev over here. So this is your opportunity to ask questions of us about football, preferably. <laughs> <laughs> well, not but, necessarily. Yeah, we are throwing it wide open, so don't be shy. Paul's going to come round with the mic. Who wants to kick us off with? A question we had a couple sent in that we can turn to if everyone is too shy. But does anyone want to start? Dave Roberts! Are you going to let listeners uh, join in with your predictions? Ooh, we, yeah, we, that's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, we, we, have, we have spoken about this and there's a few thoughts that we could do like a, either a listener's poll and, and get the general consensus, win, lose, draw... Or we could try and do something a little bit more detailed. Yeah. We've got we've got a few options, but yeah, we definitely we definitely want um, want the, the listeners to get involved next year with the, with the predictions league, um, and maybe one of you one of you guys can come second next year. Yeah. And, so. and, it, and if it's going to be a season long effort, I might actually just stop <laughs> predicting a win every week. So. Or we could maybe just bin predictions. Next year. That would be great. I'm sure Kev would love the chance to build a bigger spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. he, he built the spreadsheet and he even put the program in that when he, he was crown champion, his name was like gold. Yes. Like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. But, but then he kept forgetting to put the scores in it. So. Yeah. yeah. This is probably as good a chance as any to talk about um, your next season plans. I don't know we're going to do that before the end. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> I was looking spot. at you and you were like... Uh, <laughs> Why are you looking at me? I yeah. don't know. Um, yeah, so obviously, uh, as Natalie said, um, Jamie is very sadly leaving us at, end of his, at the end of his season. So um, we're... we're, we're yeah, I was going to do some sad music. Bromers <laughs> <laughs> singing. Yeah. My heart will yeah. Um, but yeah, Nothing Ever is going to continue uh, bigger, bigger and better than ever. Obviously, Jamie leaving gives us a, uh, a chance to maybe kind of shake things up a little bit and maybe... Um, look at what we can look at what we're doing. Look at what we can do differently. So we're really keen to get your ideas as well. So, and we want to hear you know what you and just that's a really good feedback from Dave. We want to get the, the, the supporters and the listeners um, getting involved with Predictions League. But yeah, we're going to be looking at looking at we've we've been doing a podcast for quite a few years now, um, and um, we've we, we you know we, we do a general thing. We preview games. We look ahead to the next game. Uh, so we're really looking to to see what we, what we can do. Uh, differently, if there's anything we can tweak, we don't want to change the recipe completely because we know it works really well. You guys uh, enjoy listening, but we want to make sure we keep keeping it freshened up. So we're really keen to hear your ideas, and if you have got any ideas for things you want to listen to, anything you you hate about the podcast, anything you like about podcast, cat think, corner, <laughs> here to stay. Anything, uh, anything else you'd like to see us do differently? Anything? <laughs> Sorry, just yeah. uh, tickly cough there. <laughs> any any new features like us to, to to add in? Please get in touch. You can you know you can tweet us, send us an email or, or, yeah. or whatever. So or come and talk to us at the end. Yeah. yeah, I think we want it to be a lot more interactive next from next season, don't we? We want to uh, get more of your thoughts and comments. We want to be able to talk about people's opinions. Um, we don't always get um, a lot of, of direct questions when it's coming up to recording, and a lot of that it is out is our fault. As well. I mean, sometimes you know with with work commitments and, and things like that, it's quite hard to be able to get organised to get. Um, enough people to, to feedback before we all run in from work and start recording. Um, but we're going to be obviously get more organised next season and, and be able to give you all the platform to send questions in and comments so, and read more emails out and read more tweets out. So hopefully it'll involve you guys a lot more next season. Yep. Uh, let's carry on with the Q&A. Anyone else? Phil Bird. So whilst you've been on air, there's been some really sad news tonight. Um, an all-time Clarets legend, Peter Noble, has died. Uh, 1973 to 1980. He was a fantastic player for Burnley. Um, sorry, that's 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 some really sad news. Magnificent player, played full back, played uh, centre midfield, up front. Fantastic player for Burnley. Uh, some sad yeah, news to that. Yeah, obviously um, thoughts with with Peter's friends and family. Um, any other questions or comments while we're here? we've still got some time? So please don't be shy. Paul, I know you sent one in. Paul, is this going to be the same one? Actually, yeah, you did tweet it. Slightly different one, and uh, first time I've ever met uh, Birdie face to face. Is it a wig? Actually, it feels real. It feels I'd real. Actually, being cut this morning as well. So uh, I, I, I even went to the expense of a seven pound fifty haircut for all of you. So. That was my favourite moment from so many shows in such a long time. And um, we did get some questions. <laughs> We did get some questions tweeted in as well. Just bear with me a second. I've just been rocked by that very amusing question. Um, I assume you were asking so I could recommend somewhere for you to pick one up, Paul. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Chris Ratcliffe asked us a question. Should we break our current wage structure to try and keep Heaton or cash in and go for another keeper? I think it's an absolute no-brainer for me. I think we have to keep him. I think he's far too key to that defence. And I think I think he's, he's, a, he's club legend in many respects. His family are from here. His family support Burnley. He's obviously so settled. He's our club captain. I, I think, for me, we do everything we can to keep hold of him. I think he's a key player. I think he's more than a keeper, isn't he? He's a, he's a key member of the squad. Um, he's, a, he's a leader. He's a very, a very popular player, um, both in the squad and with, with the fans. And he's... Yeah. Uh, He's 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 every every bit of captain, so I think he's he's more than just a goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, there's players I'm worried about leaving this summer. I think Keane, most people have already come to terms that he's probably going to go. Andre Gray, I think might go. I'm sure they'll be interested in him, but I think we can keep um, Tom here. Yeah, no, I think I'd, I'd a nice big contract to be able to. Play to I'd say that. I'd say breaking your wage structure though is maybe going a little too far. Like, you know, we've seen Burnley have always done it that we cut our cloth accordingly and. Um, you know, maybe previously in the past when it's not worked out, we've not managed to stay up. People have, you know, looked at it and said, if we'd spent a little bit more, maybe we would have stayed up. But this time we've shown that you can stick to a strict budget and you can stay up. Um, and I think part of how we do so well is that we do sort of make sure we don't, you know, break the bank, pay people too much. Um, you know, I think part of it is balancing the squad as well. That you know, you can't break your wage structure for one player because then, you know, your second best player wants more money, your third best player wants more money. And at what point do you stop just, you know, giving everyone more money? And um, I can't see us doing that, though. Can you? It's just, no, just go against everything <coughs> we've ever stood for. But, but you know, the way, the, the way the game works, if you do it for one player, another player is always going to be thinking, well... Mm. He's on forty thousand a week. Why am I not on forty thousand a week? I want forty thousand a week. Yeah, I want my forty thousand. <laughs> forty thousand a year and a man a week. Yeah, so tell me about it. Yeah, um, no, I, I think it, it's tough to say whether you could break your structure, but I think obviously he's got the yeah he's got the connection to to the, the team anyway. From, yeah. You know his grandfather, so hopefully he'll uh, he'll want to stay. Yeah, uh, we've still got time for some more. Um, Oh gosh! Paul, you sp- you've spoken loads. Give somebody else a chance. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's again. <laughs> It was just a comment, really, that the, you know, saying about breaking wage structures and stuff. Thirty years ago this week, since the Orient game, when we nearly went out, well, we probably would have gone out of business. The dark days where they were locking the doors and hiding in cupboards so that the electricity board couldn't turn the light, the electric off, so they could have a night match, so they had enough money to pay the bills. And we've just like secured Premier League status. We're a long, long way away, aren't we really, from where we were? I don't think we should underestimate what we've done this season, it's been fantastic. Sunderland have finished bottom with a debt of 110 million, we're debt free, you know, and their wage bill is 83 million, ours is a lot less than that. Uh, supposedly you 33 know. or so in the paper. Yes, it was reported in the paper. Yeah, uh, we are running out of time, but we'll just take one last question from Mike. Uh, just to, well, before I get to the question you say about the Orient game, I think as as fans, we ought to remember probably where okay where we were thirty years ago and where we are now. And I think also we need to think about where Orient are right now, uh, and offer some support to those guys because um, it can so easily go the other way. Um, my main question was along the lines of transfer uh, activity. Where do you think the Clarets will be shopping next year? Because um, you know we've got a lot of money. Um, and we've got a lot of money that a lot of British clubs where traditionally we get our our players from are going to see us with a lot of cash alternatively do we start looking abroad well then the DeFore thing hasn't really worked out where do you think we should go? I think it, it's going to be a big summer I think um, I think there will be a couple of outgoings that bring in a lot of money I think Keane will probably go for 20, 25 maybe I'd more, than, more that. than that sure. um, so that's going to give Dash something to play with straight away I think um, a new striker is going to be a priority for me. I don't think we should um, discount the overseas markets just because of the failures. But I think we just have to be a bit smarter. Defoe was obviously injury prone and we struggled to accommodate him. But I don't think we can. We've not had successes, but I don't think we should just rise off. Monson's the, been a success. The for, yeah, he's just injured too much, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think on that as well we've talked about how the infrastructure of the club has improved and you've got to imagine that our, our scouting network uh, scouting network our scouting network uh, uh, will improve the scouting network we've got to imagine Profile. that our scouting network will have been improving at the same rate as well so uh, although I think it's, it's similar yeah, we can't necessarily rule out obviously signings because of previous yeah. um, it's not worked out previously when the infrastructure of the club has improved and that could only yeah, help us. I think, I think we'll see a real mix of maybe a few overseas players, a few 
bigger money moves from the UK and then also maybe a few players like Ashley Westwood who previously a few years ago we would have been saying was quite a lot of money for us but obviously now it's quite small fry like a couple of million here and there. I think the, the, the key thing is that obviously the massively inflated market for English players is, is you know ridiculous you know you can get uh, it's one of the things that I was worried about well not worried about but was wondering whether Keane would go for the money that he was touted because as great as Keane is he's expensive because he's a young English centre-half and you think you know Everton for example who are the, the team rumoured to be going in for them can go into the European market and get a player of his standard for half the price um, so I think I think we may very well find we are struggling in the English market just not just because of transfer fees but for wages as well the players command wages that will probably break our wage structure and our very strict wage structure so I think I think we either have to go into the championship and pick some really good championship players who will step up which has worked for us before or maybe look abroad yeah I think it's it's going to be an interesting summer I think very interesting summer um, we are running out of time I'm afraid so if, if people wanted to speak and haven't had a chance I'm really sorry um, feel free to tweet us or email us any further thoughts. The email address is podcast at net. You can also tweet us at net as well. But we are coming towards the end of the show. Thank you so much for coming out. This is the first time we've ever done anything like this. And it's just in- incredible that people would come and watch us talk about Burnley Football Club. It's really weird to me. I struggle to get used to faces looking back at me. <laughs> <laughs> And obviously, on a personal note, I'm coming towards the end of my time at No Name Ever. This is a fantastic way to come out to put some names to faces, meet some of the people who've listened faces from the start. Faces, same yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> people who've provided the support that's kept us going over this time. I'm sure these three and Adam will do a fantastic job moving forward in the future, and I'm sure they will welcome any comments, feedback, etc. as well. But that's going to be it. So thanks again for coming. Thanks also to Rick, who provides our artwork. Thanks to James, Natalie and Kevin for joining me. I've been Jamie Smith and this has been the Non-A Level Live podcast. Thank you very much. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.